This is Keenan Allen, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com and our pro members over there. If you're not a pro member at RosterWatch.com, you've been missing out on our series of pro podcasts live from all these different training camps where Byron Lambert and the Trash Man have been visiting. My name is Alex Dunlap, of course, here with Byron Lambert, who's joining me right now from Jacksonville. But we're not going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll probably leave that for one of the upcoming pro podcasts this week. Today, we're going to talk about the Battle of Los Angeles and Byron's trip to L.A. for the Rams and the Chargers training camps that he um, was at just prior to leaving for Jacksonville. But before we get to that, just a quick reminder, uh, you can get a pro membership right now at rosterwatch.com. That gets you all of our preseason DFS content, all of our in-season DFS content, all of our uh, in-season tools for season long. Uh, the matchup tool, the snap counts, touches, targets, the uh, for the DFS cheat sheets, the DFS optimizer, the Vegas tool, the props tool. There are too many tools for me to even get to, and it is the cheapest premium membership in all of fantasy football that encompasses both the season-long game and the daily game. So we encourage you, if you like the podcast, you want to support the podcast, please go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. And in doing so, you're going to get like three more, two to three more of these podcasts every single week. With that said, Byron, what the hell's going on? Man, just here inside this Jaguars media room at uh, the stadium for you guys, uh, starting to get my eyes on what's going on, my eyes and ears on what's going around this building as these Jaguars getting ready for the season. But as you said, man, we got a lot to talk about uh, with these Rams and with these Chargers, and we want to make sure that that information gets disseminated uh, to our listeners. Man, it's a maniacal existence out there on those fantasy football streets, brother. <laughs> well, you've, you've been pounding the streets this whole time. I think you've now been to we're at a, we're to about 15 of these training camps that we've been to. Plus, of course, you know, we've um, – you know, you've been to other training camps during other training camp tours. We've been to a ton of different um, facilities for different radio remotes or for FSTA, stuff like that. I figure by now you at least have been to half of the stadiums in the league. Where does the Jacksonville Stadium rank? You're there in the media room, uh, the facilities, the stadium, et cetera. I mean, you'd have to probably say bottom half. Bottom half. Not bad. It's not like the old Chargers stadium in San Diego that was just abysmal. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, Greek Dean Spanos doesn't like to sp- spend any money over there, man. And, um, and, and see, you're allowed to say that because you are 100% Orthodox Greek. <laughs> so we could get in trouble if, if you weren't. But so, so everybody knows, if you, if, if you haven't seen photos of Byron, he is as Greek as they come. <laughs> one of my great uncles used to say, what is it, uh, uh, short arms, long pockets. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, let's get let's get into the 
Let's get into the Los Angeles teams. Do you want to start? You want to start with the Chargers or with the uh, Rams? Well, we got to start with the Chargers because they always had the morning practices, and Rams every year are always the afternoon practices. All right. So everything always began with the Chargers out in Los Angeles, and that's how we'll do it on the podcast. So. Uh, let's see where to begin. Okay, uh, the big news is well, first let's just start with Keenan Allen. I want to reiterate the fact that not only is he an elite fantasy option, it's very important that the listeners um, of this podcast and the followers of Roster Watch understand that Keenan Allen is an elite top five NFL wide receiver from a pure scouting and evaluation standpoint. But as you guys know, that's the angle that we take at Roster Watch. We're the boots on the ground, we're the scouts, we're the evaluators. Uh, in this industry and Keenan Allen I mean I know it's not novel but man you just got to be reminded when you're out there that guy is so damn good Uh, it doesn't get much better than Keenan Allen in this league so uh, wanted to get that and and as I talked about on our serious show from either Saturday there was it Sunday you and I did at the show I did one with Trashman yeah like I said in that deal if you go to rosterwatch.com and look at the wide receiver cornerback uh, projected matchup tool for the ADP top 50 where I projected out every matchup for every wide receiver uh, and every cornerback that he'll face based on our analytics on these cornerbacks uh, of the big time wide receivers in the National Football League of the true big dog wide receiver ones Keenan Allen has the easiest strength of schedule out of everybody and it would be and if and I'll, t- and I'll tell you this if this if the Kansas City Chiefs had not traded Alex Smith and gotten Kendall Fuller who I think is going to be bumping into the – not who I think, who, who, you, who you would think would be bumping into the slot um, when, he, when he's not playing outside. So I think, I think Kendall Fuller will play outside whenever the opposing teams are in two wide receiver sets but bump into the slot because he's just so, so good there uh, when the teams are in three wide receiver sets. If he didn't have to face Kendall Fuller twice, it would be like a top five schedule that Keenan Allen has because he plays yeah, he plays so much out of the slot that he gets to play against some of these some of these bad corners and the um, the the AFC West at this point in time uh, definitely definitely has a few of those as far as and also so does the rest of his schedule and he's such a slick route runner and technician that I almost believe he's matchup proof um I mean it's full it's full systems go for Keenan Allen I truly believe he's going to pick up the beginning of the season exactly where he left off at the end of last year winning us fantasy championships uh going absolute bananas so it is true that he is an elite fantasy option uh heading into the season um behind him it will be Tyrell Williams with that will be you know the second highest snap count percentage of all the wide receivers on the Chargers roster to begin the season and you know, in all likelihood, barring an injury, if I had to guess, uh, in the entirety of the season, that's that when we'll look back, we'll say Tyrell Williams uh, played the second most snaps this year for the Chargers at the wide receiver position. Now, are you have to get on Twitter and apologize to those kids that were? <laughs> I, I already, I already kind of have, but you right. notice it's a very nuanced. I didn't say he was the second best wide receiver on the because Chargers he's, roster because, because he's not, and I don't understand these goddamn Chargers fans who. Act like you know, act like they're going to gloat about the fact that their that their top ten wide receiver pick can't start over Tyrell Williams. Like you're going to gloat about that? That's a, that that goes like that goes to show that there was a, a, a some, some something. If 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 you're right about that, 
then it goes to show that your organization made a terrible mistake. I don't. I still don't think that they're right about it. Like you said, he's going to get used the most. He, but Tyrell Williams is not a better player than Mike Williams. That's a, that's asinine. No, but this is something we need to know and keep in mind heading into the season. So, I mean, it does make Tyrell Williams at least a viable option for those of you who are interested. And it's it's something that mathematically we need to take into account when we're kind of reconciling the rest of that wide receiver group. I mean, it's a distant second and third behind Keenan Allen, though, right? I mean, so uh, currently it, you know, if you had to technically say what the depth chart is, it's one Keenan Allen two Tyrell Williams, three Travis Benjamin, four Mike Williams. Now we're starting to see Mike Williams rear his his head. Uh, We told you guys from practice last week on Twitter, we were asked about his progress, and we said, man, he's a nice, young, developing player who you would like to have on your roster. That's what he looks like out here, and he's moving really well. Um, You know, it's just that being the inexperienced guy, He's kind of being brought up, you know, slower in training camp. He's kind of running that fourth spot more with Geno Smith and more with the second team there. And he he certainly does get his opportunity to rotate in with the ones. Uh, So right now it's kind of a coin toss who's going to be three and four in any given uh, game. Will it be Travis Benjamin? Uh, Will it be Mike Williams? Now, the interesting thing with Mike Williams is, man, he's getting moved around to the slot. I mean, they're running him on slant routes. I mean, they're hitting him on, like, quick-hitting stuff and even working him into the middle of the field, actually letting that guy work some sneaky run after the catch, and that's not something that people think about. I certainly don't. With Mike yeah. Williams. Got, everybody saw the red zone touchdown in the preseason game the other day, and I, I saw the red zone prowess, you know, while I was there too, and um, – you know, I think people were kind of thinking that's how he'll somehow augment, you know, the loss of of Hunter Henry's production. Uh, but, man, they've made him learn every wide receiver position, and I think they're looking for a little bit more, not just in the red zone. So it's pretty clear he's burgeoning out there, and he should continue to ascend the depth chart, but that's the current uh, state of affairs, you know, with the Chargers right now. You know, the other thing I might mention, you know, we always like to talk about this at Roster Watch is, you know, I've met Josh Doxson several times. I've met Cortland Sutton several times this summer. I've been around Mike Williams a couple times now. And so it's just interesting to note that Cortland Sutton's bigger than all those guys. It kind of goes Josh Doxson, Mike Williams is a little more substantial, a little bit bigger and then Cortland Sutton's like the real big monster so I guess what I'm saying with that is Mike Williams isn't just the biggest burliest ex that you might think that he is he's got it he's a he's a he's he's maybe a little bit sneakier athletic than people give him credit for um you know the other funny thing we always talk about is I shook his hand and he he doesn't really have monster hands I'd love to go back to his combine thing if I had to guess I'd say he's like nine and a quarter inch hands. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up to verify. <laughs> um, but you notice he body caught that end zone touchdown, that red zone touchdown. It wasn't a James Washington hands catch, you know. Uh, but so anyways, that's going on with the wide receivers there uh, with the Chargers. Any uh, interest in Travis Benjamin? No. Nothing, just zero. Let me just yeah. see Mike Williams. Um, I mean, the calculated play behind Keenan Allen early on will be Tyrell Williams, and then, 
you know, if I'm going to want to dive deep or if I'm looking for the long play, it's not going to be Travis Benjamin. It's the development of Mike Williams. Nine and three eighths inch hands. So you were close. You would, what'd you yeah. say, nine and a quarter? I was, uh, nine and a quarter. Nine I was two searching eights, for right. nine and three Yeah. <laughs> it's close. I was, I knew it was about right, yep. man. The pricing king. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the running backs. Um, you know, I, you know, I was thinking about our conversation the other day. I mean, there was, it's a tough one to reconcile because we've heard so many things from both sides of the Chargers' mouth on what to do with Melvin Gordon, basically. You know, you have Anthony Lynn kind of wanting to give, spell his workload, but wanting to give the running backs, you know, more touches. You have the talks during the draft process of them being interested in Ronald Jones in the second round as a 10 to 12 uh, touch guy, which is something we need to keep in mind because a lot of teams evaluate pretty similarly, and that may be, in fact, what the Bucks also had in mind. Well, there's some, something I mean, closer there's, to there's that. clearly something up with Ronald Jones. <laughs> I mean, talk about a guy that's, uh, you know, talk about risers and fallers during the preseason process. I think that it's safe to say that outside of anybody who's been just straight injured, I'm not sure there's been a bigger faller through the preseason process than Ronald Jones. But well, a mirror image of his draft process. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. All to ultimately be a second-round pick been, that everybody likes. He's been – right. That's true. The ultimate draft roller coaster. Yeah, man. well, but – Rookie roller coaster. I mean, but has it been – I mean, a lot more, few more downs than ups recently. few more downs than ups. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, with Gordon – you know, it was really a vote of confirmation, a vote of affirmation, a vote of confidence, I guess, that, you know, like we said, they didn't draft a running back. Uh, they really haven't brought anybody of significance in. So, you know, and we don't think they're going to – we know they're not going to let Melvin Gordon bend him over on a big second contract. So this could very well be a situation. Anthony Lynn tried to make it a Melvin Gordon offense last year. They went 0-4 or whatever it was to begin the season. He turned it kind of back over to Phillip Rivers. So – you know, what do you make of that? I mean, I, I, I just he's, – he's not efficient enough really in my mind to be much more than a 20-touch-per-game guy. And, but you know that with the loss of Henry and what they're doing, these running backs – so, so what I came away with, Alex, man, I think you and I settled it on the show, is that I believe it is fair now to call Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler a running back duo. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro Podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tool, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependency, so much more. And then our DFS products including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS Professional Lineup Optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Roster Watch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 2018 training camp tour. And then in season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the waiver wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. Yeah, I mean, I just... It just, that's not a I knock mean, on Gordon. I just Gordon has a limited upside. He could have a lot of touchdowns, right? He could have a lot of touchdowns. Eckler is like in the offense and plays in those situations too, man. But you can you can be in a duo and you can still have 
still have very high, very high in fantasy value. Devontae Freeman's always, or for the for every year except his rookie season, has been in a running back duo. Well, I like Melvin Gordon. I like Melvin Gordon. I like him in fantasy. This isn't really an indictment of Melvin Gordon. It's just I'm just trying to lay out basically what I observed. So twenty one point three touches per game last year. You think that that's going to be ticking down at least a small <sighs> bit? I would think so, man. I really would. I really would. If it's it's not going to go any higher. I mean, you're never going to have that, barring an injury. I mean, if, if there was an Eckler injury, it would be a huge Melvin Gordon season. What, is, so, what does Austin Eckler look like in person? I've never seen him in person. Dude, he's a stout. He's kind of a stout guy, man. I mean, he's a stout little running back. I mean, he's not even that little. And he's, he's got a good build for a running back. Low center of gravity, athletic cut. But like thick dude, you know, can looks like do you he think can kind of be. Do you think he really is two hundred pounds, or do you think he's like one ninety five? I bet he's two hundred. You think so? Yeah, he's he, pretty thick. Pretty thick. Dude. He's 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 one of those guys that I really like to see see in person. I'm glad that you've gotten to you've gotten to see him because if he is two, you know, if he's two hundred pounds. That makes him a little, you know, it, it makes him I mean, a little Nine bit Hines different. Nine Hines is 200 pounds. Chris Thompson's 200 pounds. That's what all these guys are. Chris, Chris, Chris Thompson's under, Chris, Chris Thompson's like 195, right? It's very close. Yeah. 195. Okay, Eckler, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe sometimes these, they do put an extra five pounds, it seems, on these depth charts and stuff. So he, either way, he fits a mold of a player that we're seeing have success. He's not an anomaly. He's actually a pretty good player. He was just finding his role and integrating into the offense last year. He's had this whole offseason now. Again, no Hunter Henry, big workload for the running backs. Only so much Melvin Gordon can handle with his efficiency, you know, his situation with efficiency. It just, I mean, again, you know, can you start Austin Eckler? It's going to be hard. Should he be drafted? Yeah, especially in PPR. I mean, he's worthy of a final round pick and certainly a very reasonable handcuff uh, there for Melvin Gordon because if Melvin Gordon were to go down, this is going to just turn into a full blown Philip Rivers, spread him out, Austin Eckler with a little Justin Jackson. Uh, we don't have to worry about the tight end situation. It's Sean Calkin duking it out with Virgil Green <laughs> for first team snaps. It's uh, are either of those guys going to be fantasy viable? No, they're just. Well, I mean, I you, mean can they've thrown, they've thrown you can have a miracle. You can have a bunch. A DFS tournament miracle, and you could pick the right one, and maybe he's going to do something. But, I mean, to predict that one of those guys is going to have, you know, any yards and a touchdown world. or two, even two touchdowns in a single game it sounds very far-fetched. How, how can you take Austin Eckler with your last pick in fantasy whenever guys are available like Chris Godwin, Taewon Taylor, James Washington, Christian Kirk, Jordan Wilkins, uh, you know, the, this it's kind of guy. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. I can't take him over Kirk. Um, I don't really like him too much over Washington. You know, you hear people getting a little lower on the Colts running back situation recently. And then well, who was and the then, other guy you then, mentioned there? Uh, Chris Godwin, um, James Washington, Christian oh, and Kirk. and Taewon Taylor, a guy that's, Taylor, you know, yeah. we've been moved up on the sheets recently. I mean, 
you, you see the Richard Matthews news today, mm-hmm. and now people, some of our friends on Twitter, are starting to backpedal on their, you know, hey, we, bu- on their uh, bullish Taewon Taylor. We've takes. been to, we've been bullish on Taewon Taylor since before it was cool to be bullish on Taewon Taylor. Like that move up the cheat sheet has been nothing new on the PPR. Yeah, but cheat if Richard Matthews has not been injured, or just been having a holdout, and he's really back in the picture and full go now, I mean that's a that's a blow to Taewon Taylor's value. Taewon Taylor is going about to get unleashed. He's, I mean, a, he's, a, he's about to get unleashed. It's we've a always known pick that we, at the end of the we've, draft. We've so, always known yeah. that Rashard Matthews was going to be back. It's, I, I didn't think his career was over or anything. But in yeah, a, in a vacuum like this coming season, I would still I, I, I would still rather own Taewon Taylor this season, even in a vacuum, over, over Rashard Matthews. Well, I like the gamble on the upside, right? Yeah. Uh, Philip Rivers anyway. obviously looking poised for an absolute monster, um, you know, and that defense looking good there with the pretty good there with the Chargers. So. Uh, you know, unfortunate for them, they've lost Hunter Henry and Jason Verrett. Otherwise, I'd say the Chargers would be the clear-cut front runners in the AFC West. But, you know, with Gruden not with looking the, so rusty and the Broncos roster looking a little better and them crushing the rookie class the way that they did, and, you know, Mahomes, and they got a loaded thing there under Andy Reid's always a tough team, and the AFC West is wide open. Yeah, but Andy Reid's defense is going to be shitty. To, you know, not shitty, but not – as good, I think that people might be talking up to be a little bit worse than it is set to be based on some of our metrics. And I'm still finishing up the week one matchup stuff. But then, um, I mean, you all, you got to remember about Jason Verrett that Trevor Williams stepped up behind him last year and all of a sudden became one of the league's top corners, one of these top cover corners. I wondered how they were going to get Trevor Williams and the kid. Uh, is it Desmond King or Kevin King? No, it's Desmond King they have out there. I, w- I was wondering how they're going to get all four of those guys involved, you know, and I just – I don't think that the loss of Jason Verrett was quite quite as – I mean, we love well, Jason Verrett a as a kid. it's not a crucial blow, I guess, with the depth, but, I mean, boy, it sure is nice to have that all all the good – Yeah, I mean, I Ammunition in your yeah. secondary you can, man. Yeah. Um, what about – so we talked about the tight ends. We talked about the wide receivers. We talked about the running backs. Talked about the quarterbacks, so why don't we move on to the Rams unless there's anything else that you have from the Chargers. The 2018 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft, is guaranteed. It's magical. It's mystical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It is only at rosterwatch.com. Jared Goff continuing with his progression uh, there with the Rams, looking more in command, just a little more grizzled. Uh, as a as a young veteran now with that team, so that's been impressive to see his growth the last three years at uh, all three Rams training camps. Really gotten to see a nice trajectory there. Uh, Sean McVay is large and in charge out there on the field, man. And like I say, this is you know I always say it's a Zeke Elliott offense in Dallas. I truly believe it's a Sean McVay offense in Los Angeles with the Rams. You know, of course, you witness Todd Gurley and your breath is always taken away by the fact that there's just no other player in the league, especially at least at the running back position, that moves so effortlessly north and south on the field. It's just really a pretty beautiful, you know, thing to watch. Um, So they got a nice thing going there between a little triangle of uh, a little uh, 
the triplets of Sean McVay, Jared Goff, and uh, Todd Gurley. I'll say this, you know, Malcolm Brown continues to be a really nice handcuff uh, there for Gurley, but I do believe John Kelly looks good enough that if Gurley goes down, that's going to be a pretty – it's going to suck for fantasy, yeah. and there'll be a committee. But honestly, I think it's pretty good for the Rams, I mean, as a team. Like, if you had told me right now Todd, they lost Todd Gurley for the season, I'd say – You wouldn't I think say the, they're doomed. I'd say the Rams are still going to be pretty damn good. They do. They keep paying everybody, and soon they're going to need to pay pay Aaron Donald, and then then they're they're going to need to pay golf. I don't know how they're going to afford all this stuff. But I just need to ask you: Did did, did your chest uh, puff out and, and your and your heart glow with pride whenever you saw that before they could even get Aaron Donald done, that they had to get Rob Havenstein done? <laughs> you love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, one of your senior bowls. You always have a, uh, an, an offensive line senior bowl swindle, and I think he was one one year. I don't know where they come from, man, but just somehow <laughs> somehow they seem to always pop up, man. So, yeah, they've really done a number with that offensive line. You know, I'd have to say with the Rams, I'd have to say what was a real weakness for them has turned into I'd call their offensive line at least average possible strength of their team. So that's been a real important improvement there. Um, you know, with Gerald Everett wasn't practicing while I was there. I, we're going to have to look into what his deal was. I should have poked around on that more. But when he's not in there, I mean, they'll still run their two tight end sets, but it really does kind of push Tyler Higby to the forefront as like, a, you know, a viable like waiver wire tight end, I think, in any given week. So that'll be something to monitor for um, for sure. And, uh, I mean, we couldn't talk about the Rams without obviously the Los Angeles Rams I'm just looking at it Byron like we uh, do you know where our offensive line rankings have them this year have you looked at the line rankings? probably eight yeah number eight better than the Redskins the 49ers or the Saints which I find it very interesting and that's just via our via our analytics and our our scouting grades and the and the data that we have on these players so yeah I'm not surprised at all that they are that they're looking good, and I might be. I'm gonna have to actually. I might actually give Rob Havenstein a bump here with his grade. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna move him from a 5.2 to a 5.4, and that actually takes them up to the number seven offensive line. So, wow. Well, all of this continues to be good news for my. I don't want to say love for Jared Goff, as I think he's like my. We don't ever call it rankings on the cheat sheet, but he's. He's buried on the cheat sheet, but he is an auxiliary, always like emergency option that's available to you late in your drafts. I mean, Jared Goff, by most regular scoring systems, was like the number 12 quarterback in fantasy last year. And he's got a loaded arsenal with a precocious head coach, and he's an improving player who was a a really good passer in college. That's what we liked him for was his passing ability, the ability to spread the ball around. He's got the good O-line now. He's got the running back who's going to pick up a massive amount of receptions this year. I mean, you have all those arrows have to point back uh, to Jared Goff. So let's talk about the receivers because he's got a new toy with Brandon Cooks. We told you guys from Rams camp last year. Hey, hey, be, hey be, before we get into this, man, can you just answer one thing for me that we didn't talk about before? Is is Brandon Cooks seeming to get more of the early reads through Goff's pro- progressions than Watkins got? Yes. Yes, all right. Okay. Well, he's had a chance to more 
to more fully integrate. He's had more time with the team. Watkins was a late camp arrival, right? He was, I was there for his first two days of practice at the very end of camp, the very last couple days of camp uh, last year. So Cooks has been there for a while. And, um, you know, I've also said all along, as much as Watkins was a pretty good player for them, uh, Cooks is just a better fit for their scheme and what they want to do in Los Angeles. And he's had the time to acclimate. So we told you guys from Rams camp last year that, you know, don't touch Watkins as more than a wide receiver four or wide receiver five in your fantasy leagues. A lot of folks thought that was preposterous. I think you saw that that pretty much turned out to be true. And, you know, we're going to say we definitely feel better about Brandon Cooks this year. Um, You know, however, I would categorize him as a solid high-end wide receiver three in PPR or a low-end wide receiver two in standard. Um, so I think it'd be fair really just across the board to say you'd prefer Brandon Cooks to be your wide receiver three in fantasy. If you're a good player and you're aggressive and you want him and you can build a good roster and a good wide receiver core around him, I do, do believe in standard you could roll Brandon Cooks as your wide receiver two, which is essentially what you're going to have to draft him as uh, given his current ADP. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to lead the team, him and Robert Woods, and snap counts at the wide receiver position. I mean, they're the, they are the de facto starters uh, on the outside uh, for the Rams and in the two wide receiver sets. Uh, it's Cooper Cup who comes off the field for those two wide receiver sets. However, the base offense for the Rams is that 11 personnel, that three wide receiver set. Uh, so Cup is, you know, on the field quite often. And, you know, if you ask me to say who is Jared Goff's guy, I would say, well, you know, look, it's going to be a pick on any week. It honestly could be a pick two any week uh, with the Rams. Uh, but if I said, if I had to say who is Jared Goff's guy, I'd have to say it was Cooper Cup. Uh, like I told you on the show the other day, Cooper Cup looking like a kid who's gone through his second puberty, kind of that man, <laughs> that man NFL the puberty. Man puberty. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like a just a just a burlier dude than he, that little blonde kid from California we saw running around uh, last year. Uh, it's really filled out. So what you could tell with Cooper Cup is he's always one of the very first receivers in the progression in the reads for Jared Goff. Um, consistently, and this is a player that Goff really looks to in the red zone, man. In 11-on-11s, it was Cup that was peppered with the end zone targets and the red zone targets, and like I said, he got in the end zone four times at the end of one 11-on-11 session. At the end of practice, it was like the big 11-11 for the day, peppered with volume the next day, so um, you know, it's a wide receiver by committee there, but it's a good wide receiver by committee. Those are three good wide receivers, they could all be fantasy viable. Most For the Rams, they're just tremendous players, and they should be great players on that offense that should take pressure off of Todd Gurley, for those of you who are going to have exposure uh, to Gurley. But, yeah, I mean, Cooks they love, man. Dude, they're going to take deep shots to him, some high-value targets. He'll get volume, too. He's going to get reverses. I mean, he's fast. He is so damn fast out there. It's just hard to believe, man. 